Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Set up a screen for Hightower. Has blocking. Has the touchdown. And caught by Hightower. And he will roll into the end zone. Touchdown, Saints. 40-yard dashes. Marcus Dash. 40-yard dash. Marcus Dash. 40. Marcus Dash. Marcus Dash. 40-yard dash. Marcus Dash. You run the 40. Marcus Dash. Welcome back to Running the 40. I'm your host, Marcus Dash. In this episode, I sit down with former NFL running back Tim Hightower, who was a fifth-round pick from the University of Richmond in 2008. He went on to have an amazing career playing with the Arizona Cardinals, the Washington football team, and New Orleans Saints. We get down to the nitty-gritty talking about the Washington name change, the Black Lives Matter movement, and the adversity that many college and high school football players will be facing without football this year. Take a listen. All right, guys, I'm here with Tim Hightower, former Redskin running back, former Cardinal running back, and former uh, New Orleans Saints running back. Uh, also mm-hmm. a Richmond Spider and a DMV guy like myself. So, Tim, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Doing great. How you doing? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Trying to get through this whole uh, this whole COVID situation. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping your family's been safe and healthy throughout this whole thing. Everybody's been safe, man. Everybody's been safe. We're, we're wearing our mask and, and doing doing the best we can and keep everyone healthy. Yeah, that's, that's all we can do. And, and now we're, we're slowly getting sports back. You know, I see baseball, NBA right now, so we're slowly getting that yeah. back. Hopefully we get our NFL season, so that's that's all we can hope for right now. Fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's kind of get into the questions here, man. So you're from the D.C. area, and you also played for the Redskins. Right. Um, I just kind of want to get your, uh, your, kind of your thoughts on everything that's been going on as far as the, the, the name change. What, what do you think of the name change and how, I guess, the organization's handling that right now? Uh, yes, it's, it's weird uh, calling it, what is it the, the, the Washington football football team. Um, first off, I think it's great. I, I do think it's great. I, I think this, this country is changing, man. It's shifting. Um, and while many are apprehensive of, about change, uh, change is a good thing. And there are a lot of people who have been uh, – I, I, I love, you know, my, my experience playing there, the fan base growing up there in the DMV area. But yet there's been a lot of people who have been impacted by uh, the cultural sensitivity of this name. And so I think it's a great opportunity uh, to change, to start something new. You got a, a new co- a culture staff, a new ownership. And so I'm excited about the directions uh, and the direction that I see this organization headed in. And so uh, there, there's some specific, uh, I guess, possible team names that they, people have been floating around on social media. You got the Washington Red Wolves, the Red Tails, the Red Hogs, and the Warriors. I mean, do you have any specific preference on, on the names or which one kind of stands out to you as more of a, oh, I, I could get behind that kind of name. I could get, I could wear a jersey of yeah. a Red Wolf or something. Well, it's interesting that a lot of the names that are coming out still have red. And I don't think people are miss, missing the whole point of getting rid of the red skins being a a description of a group of indigenous type of people. And so I personally, I don't think it would be wise to just attach red to anything. I understand the colors of burgundy and gold. I personally would love to see the fans choose. I think this would be a great, I said this uh, when, when, when everything happened, I want to see the fans uh, reach out or, or kind of let it be a, a, a global, a, a national, whatever you want to call it, 
uh, contest, see what kind of submissions that you get, put free tickets, season tickets on the line, and that way you really give a chance for the community, people who uh, have turned away from uh, the organization to really get behind it and set a precedent and to feel like this is their team, right? And at the end of the day, hey, you're covering your bases and now you're saying, hey, look, you guys, this is what you all wanted, right? And so I think it'd be a great PR move. I think it would be a great kind of community uh, 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 move. And I, I would love, I don't have a, a particular preference to the name. I just would love to see them open up, open it up a contest and let the best, best, uh, uh, let the fans vote on the best name. For sure. I, I, I agree with that. And there were some kind of people who were making fun of the Redskins for just going with the Washington football team for this year. But yeah. me personally, I don't know if you, if you agree, them taking kind of a year to kind of look at everything, look at all the options that they have out there before just throwing a team name out there. And, you know, people may not yeah. like that. But what, what do you think of the whole idea of them reviewing it and taking a whole year to kind of discuss? Absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 look, people are at the end of the day, you're not going to get it right right away. Right. And in, in a lot of people's views. Right. If you change the name, some people are upset. If you don't change the name, people are upset. But at the end of the day, they made the best choice. Uh, they made the right choice. And now you, you don't just make all of a sudden a decision. Uh, naming an organization, that name was in place for, you know, for years. And so you want to do it right. You want to be thoughtful. You're thinking about marketing. You're thinking about PR. You're thinking about your fan base. You're thinking about all of these things. And so to turn around and, and put a name out there just because there's a, you feel like there's a time, uh, time clock and a season approaching, I think it's wise to take your time and do it the right way. I agree. And their uniforms don't actually look that bad. I like the, uh, the, the just the number on the helmet. It's yeah, kind of yeah. sleek. I, li I like that. Hey, look, at the end of the day, you, you win and no one cares about the name. No one cares about what the jersey looks like. Just, just as Al Davis once said, just win, baby. That, that's, that's what matters. <laughs> that's true. So kind of talking about you kind of reference how you know, the world is changing. And this year we've seen – uh, kind of with, with, with George Floyd's protests and everything. The NFL has actually kind of taken a stance for, for the first time and, and, and they go back to Kaepernick days, you know, they didn't really say anything on that. They were actually kind of the, right. the opposite end of this. But now you're seeing them kind of the NFL's response to Black Lives Matter movement. And I, I got to say, what was your thoughts on the NFL's kind of stance on what they've done so far in the last couple of months kind of backing up the movement? Yeah, um, I'm, I got to be honest. I'm, I'm encouraged, but there's, there's a bit of frustration, and, and I understand the – I've spoken to many, look, on both sides, you know, from every ethnicity to age to uh, those who served in the military. I, for me, I, I try to save my, my comments and my thoughts to make sure, A, I have enough information as possible, and then, B, I get enough perspectives as possible. I'm not just thinking from my limited perspective. And here's the thing. I really, the unfortunate thing, the great thing about the media and the bad thing about the media is the narrative of taking away from why Kaepernick kneeled in the first place, right? And, and at the end of the day, I've been in a situation, I've been very fortunate to play in the National Football League, but yet where I come from, you never forget where you came from. You never forget the communities. You never forget the experiences. Matter of fact, when you walk out of that NFL locker room, a lot of the people who've influenced you over your life come from these communities. And so it's frustrating as a former player uh, to see a lot of the narrative, and, and even at the NFL level, not to understand, did he go about it 
did, did he did he do everything the right way? Do I agree with every single one of his protest uh, 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 strategies? No, I don't. But what I do understand is he was speaking for a community who felt like they were not being heard, right? And he used his position and used his platform to say, hey, look, here's some things going on and I'm going to raise awareness and take a stand for this, right? So I'm encouraged to see at least the NFL now um, that they're trying to, 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 to support. At the end of the day, what a lot of players have come from these communities who are experienced. I've personally experienced, uh, I have a lot of respect for, for the mili military, for the police, but I've personally experienced uh, issues being pulled over, being uh, uh, questioned and frisked for doing absolutely nothing. So it brought back a lot of emotional and, and past issues from my, from my own self. So I think he was a pioneer. Again, did he do everything right? Absolutely not. Um, but I think it's good that at least the conversation is being had. And as athletes, we're being a voice for those in our communities that they're looking up to us, not just for what we do on the field, but can you have a voice for us off the field and uh, bring light to some of these issues? And, and so I'm encouraged by it. And I hope that we can find a way as, as America, find a way to see where people, the intent of where people are coming from, instead of being offended that, well, it's, it's for the flag or it's, it's, it's not all lives matters. Can we find out what, why people are upset and at least listen, how can we listen to the experiences of others? And so I'm encouraged at the end of the day, I always try to see the glass half full. So I, I'm encouraged by the progress. Yeah. And it takes one person like Kaepernick, you know, you, you, you say that he didn't, he didn't do everything right. You know, it's like, we go back to the Redskins, right. you know, you know, they're, at the end of the day, they're not going to, whatever they choose, you know, it's not going to be the, you know, someone's going to find a flaw in something. Right. But it all, right. all it takes is one thing to kind of have that conversation. And now people are talking about it. People are, everyone's having the conversation now, whether they, Absolutely. they agree or they don't agree, everyone's conversing about it. So this is, Absolutely. This is uh, Absolutely. but I, I did read that the NFL, that there, there's different sources that I, I was reading some articles. They're saying the NFL was kind of not, it was kind of hands off in this whole, this whole black lives matter movement this time around. Until Patrick Mahomes came on and said something about it, and once mm -hmm. the the league got involved, the quarterback that you know, that's on all the boxes, Madden, everything. Once he got yeah. involved, that's the, the league was like, okay, we, we need to we need we need to get behind it, one hundred percent. Does that show like how, how big of an impact does the face of the league and like kind of a quarterback now that you know that the face of the league is an African American quarterback? It, it was yeah, just Brady and Peyton Manning, but now it's Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson. That's who the face of the NFL is now. How big of a deal is that? to kind of further movements like this, that you know, the face of the league now is in minorities. It's, it, it's African-Americans, you know, how it's, big of a deal is that? It's huge. It, it, it's huge. And here, here's the thing. What people got to understand is the NFL was a $10 billion business first and last. Uh, when I got released from the Washington Redskins, when I sat there in front of Mike Shanahan, it wasn't about my character. It wasn't about my abilities. It was about, this was the best business decision for right now the decision that they made i would love to say that you know they're behind a cause or whatever it is it was a business decision in the same way that not getting behind it was a business decision and so for me the frustration for a lot of time for, for a long time was not that all the faces of the nfl were white 
but that they chose not to take a stance, that they chose not to say anything. When issues arise, whether you gave a dime to a Black Lives Matter or, or in the past decade, 15 to 20 years, any movement for that matter, regardless. But the fact that you haven't said anything, when you see as a brother in the locker room, we, 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 we battle on the field together. We, this is how we make our livelihood together. But yet when I experience pain or when I experience trauma, when I experience something and you stay silent, it's hard for me then to now, where do we really stand? And so now it is very encouraging to see that people with influence are starting to be the ones who are truly being a voice for a lot of communities who have not been heard for a long time. And so um, I, I, I do think it was a business move. I'm just gonna be honest. But regardless, I don't, I, I'm one, I'm about change. I don't care how it happens. I don't care who's responsible for it. I, I want to see progress and I want to see change. We owe it to everybody to keep the conversation moving forward, to be better, to have a better future for our generations, our kids coming up than we had. Just like the generations before us, they fought, they marched, they did whatever they had to do so women could vote, for my, so minorities could vote. So minorities could go to uh, uh, university, public universities and so we could end segregation. It's, we we want to keep moving the conversation and the standard forward. So I'm encouraged to see Patrick Mahomes uh, and all the faces of the NFL take a stand and keep the conversation moving forward. Yeah, and you talk about progression. I don't know if you got a chance to watch The, the Last Dance, the, uh, the documentary series that uh, talked about the Bulls' last championship. Yeah, run. yeah. Yeah. The one bit in there about how Michael Jordan, he had a time to speak up about, a, 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 I guess, a person who was running for Congress in, in North Carolina. He had a chance to yeah. say something about it. He didn't, or is it Illinois? Yeah. He, yeah. he didn't say anything about it because he said Republicans buy uh, shoes too. It was a business decision for him, right? But now we're right. seeing the progression. We're now Patrick Mahomes, who is the face of the league, who is the yeah. Michael Jordan of the NFL now. He's choosing to, yeah. you know, ha use his platform for good. And so I think that's it's it's progression. You know, we're we're moving along. It is progression. Right trend, so, and it's uh, a different it's a different time that that Michael Jordan was in as well. It, it was a different time. And here's the, here's the thing. I don't. You see a lot of players, and a lot is being made now. And again, it's still being used to divide. Uh, in my in, in my perspective, Kaepernick's whole 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 um, uh, 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 intention was, and this is from being in the locker room at the 49ers, my brief time there, talking to Eric Reed, talking to a lot of those guys, white and black, who had conversations, who had a chance to talk with Kaepernick. Originally, what was this guy's intent, right? Um, it was to bring awareness. It was not to divide. It was to bring awareness. And so... Right now, at the end of the day, that's what we have an opportunity to do is to bring awareness. And I see a lot of people still trying to find every way to divide. Players standing, players sitting, baseball, different sports. It's not about whether or not you're standing or sitting. It's about continuing those conversations and bringing awareness to the injustices in this country. Not saying this country is terrible. Yes, we have progressed. Yes, a lot of people have fought so that we can do that but yet we still can always do better. And so we had to keep the conversation going. So Michael Jordan's time was different. He's doing it now. He's doing a lot now to do his part. I'm not upset with that, but I am encouraged to see guys now take a different stance. For sure.
for sure. And it, it, it all comes with that, with that pr- progression. And, and it was a different time back then, but because we've yeah. advanced a, as a, as a, as a civilization, we progressed in, and now we're at a, at a point in time where athletes like Patrick Mahomes can stand right. up and have a, and have a platform. Absolutely. Like, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to get behind Absolutely. it. So let's, let's go away from uh, black lives, the black lives matter movement. Um, let's talk about COVID again. Um, so, since your playing days, you've kind of you've kind of gone, gone around and become a, a public speaker and talking about different sure. things you've dealt with um, adversity in adversity in your career, uh, be it injuries or the stigma of coming from being a small school guy. Uh, mm-hmm. There are different kind of adversity that many juniors and seniors in high school are facing right now. Uh, yeah. seeing all seasons get canceled because of COVID. What what kind of advice do you have to those kids who are seeing their their junior and senior seasons go up because of COVID right now? Yeah, that, that's a great, great question. And there's so many levels that are being impacted. So many people at so many different levels who are being impacted uh, by the times that we're in. I actually just talked with my former alma mater, with, with my alma mater, uh, the football team on Sunday. I know for a fact, and I said this on my social media, I would not have made it to the NFL if I did not have my senior year. I was not good enough my junior year. That's just the fact. There was not one school calling or one, one uh, uh, pro scout not one interest, not one bit of interest uh, my junior year at the University of Richmond. It took every bit of four years for me to develop. And so I think about that trajectory. And if I did not have my senior year, how much different my life would have been, right? Uh, so my heart goes out to whether it's athletics or non-athletics, the internships, the opportunities, just having that chance to finish, right? Finish your senior season, high school or uh, college. And so First of all, you understand, you try to just understand what they're going through. You try to just talk to them and try to figure out what are you feeling right now. But then at a certain point, I try to draw on my own experiences, um, whether it's injuries, whether it's times of uncertainty. And one thing I know is that football kept me out of a lot of trouble. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. It wasn't school. I would have loved to think that I, I did okay in school, but football kept me focused. It kept me out of trouble. It, you, you have to make certain decisions when everyone else is going out and partying. Am I going to work out? Am I going to take care of my body? So it keeps you focused because you have something that you're looking and working towards. And my concern was when you remove that, what happens to these seniors, these juniors at the high school and collegiate level? Where does their attention start to go? Right? That's just human nature. And so the advice was find something. A, stay together, right? Like stay together. That's what a locker room, that the uniqueness of a locker room is. You got a team. You got a brotherhood. Uh, so don't isolate yourself. Reach out. Stay connected on Zoom, on, on social media, whatever you got to do. Stay connected, one. And two, find something. Stay in shape. Stay ready. But find something to keep you working towards some type of goal. Something. I don't care if you got to pick up a, a business thing on the side. Whatever you got to do. But find something to keep you working towards. Because at a certain point, your mind starts to wonder, um, and you start to feel like, well, what's the point here? I can't control this anyway. So who cares if I, if, if I start to be reckless with some of my decisions? And so, um, yeah, it's a tough time and you just try to support them as much as you can. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. You know, keep, keep your mind preoccupied working towards a goal. And I, I think, I think that's something, something. We, that's something we, we, we can, we can all do that. So I, I think that's great. That's great advice. hundred percent. So let's uh, go to, uh, we're talking about adversity. Um, this is something that, in, in recent days, I've kind of – I put two and two together here. And I – so so Alex Smith, in a couple of years ago, we saw the doc, the E60 on, on his uh, his horrible injury 
and how he's kind of recovered from having infections and having multiple surgeries on his, on his leg. Yeah. Yeah. 2011, when you were with the Redskins, you tore your ACL, which ultimately sidelined you for a couple of years because you also had infections from post-surgery. Yeah. And I just think that the two stories are very eerily similar. Do you kind of see any parallels to your stories and kind of what are your thoughts on his comeback and just in general about coming back? Cause you hear people saying, Oh, why is he coming back? You know, he's got millions of dollars. He need to come back. It's more, it's more than that. You guys are, you guys are competitors or athletes. Yeah. It's not just, oh, I have a million dollars. I'm good. It's no, it's, it's, it has nothing to do with that. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's my, my godmother told me this. Um, she's been a very big influence on me. And she told me sometimes your greatest strength can be your greatest weakness. And I don't think people understand what got you there, that mindset that got you there, that's your default, right? Like, you don't just turn that on and off. If you're competitive, uh, if, if, if um, for me growing up, it was, this is what I want, and either you're with me or you're, you're against me. It was that black or white. Either you were supporting me get to where I got to go or you're, you're a threat and I got to remove you out of my life. And so sometimes that became a challenge because you're trying to take advice and figure out who's for you and who is against you. But the, my point is, you don't just turn that off. Here's a guy, he has fought his whole career. He's fought to prove himself. Yes, he was a first-round draft pick, but he's fought to prove himself. He was a game manager. He's all these things. No one wants to go out that way. So, again, once you hit adversity, the first thing that's going to turn to his mind is, I can prove these people wrong. And maybe not even just for them, for himself, right? Uh not going out like that, right? And so I know that's the f- feeling that I felt. We were at two different points of our careers. Uh, so, yes, the injuries um, with the complications and stuff like that may be similar. We were at two different points in our, in, in our career. But yet the mindset of I'm going to do everything that I can to say that I did all that I could do. If it's not good enough, then let so be it. But I'm going to fight with everything that I have. That's just a mindset that you don't turn off. Um, I, I pray everything goes well with them, but I, I remember that journey being a long, uh, uh, a challenging journey physically, lots of surgeries, um, lots of tears, lots of rehab. Uh, so man, I commend him for going down that road. It's not easy. It's not, it's not for everybody. Uh, but you just don't turn that mindset off and it, it's harder for him to not come back than it would be for him to come back, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And this was something, I don't know, if it, was it the same medical staff? I, I, the fact that I hear, like, you know, post-surgery infections, right, and it's two, it's you, kept you, it kept you out of the game for a little bit, and it kept him out of the game. Obviously, different injuries, right? So that, 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 sure. that. But that, 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 that's kind of crazy. Was it the same medical staff, or did you know if it was the same medical staff? that? I think it was the same medical staff. Here, here's the thing. I, I, I had my frustrations with the medical staff there I'm not sugarcoating anything you know um I had my frustrations but here's the thing though that this stuff happens all over the place and the frustrating part is and what I found out I thought that I was a a unicorn in the sense that this was you know they tell you one out of uh you know they tell you the odds of something happening right Mm. but I didn't realize how commonplace it was to have these issues post-surgery post-surgery for athletes and with certain surgeries I didn't understand that because I just thought that I was one out of so I would have it would have been great for me to kind of place that in perspective and be able to talk to individuals who have gone through that 
well, what did you do? You know, sometimes the, the best, I felt like I went to the best doctors, the people who are the world-renowned surgeons and, and PTs and all that stuff like that. But in the same way that I fumble on the football field or I get it wrong, sometimes they get it wrong too. Right. But at least admitting, hey, we got it wrong, let's put our heads together and figure out how we can get it right. So, um, yes, it was the same medical staff, um, but I don't. I don't put that on them as a fault towards them. I think that's just that that's a mistake that happens more common than, than, than it's talked about. Right. Yeah. Cause we, you hear infections like, well, that, I don't hear it that often, but I, I mean, right. I, I guess it is one of those things that, that, that does happen. And I, I like that yeah, equating a fumble and that, that happens. You're running back. It's your job, but when you fumble, right. That happens, right? So, it happens. Yeah. Interesting. So kind of talking about uh, you playing. Um, so as I told you earlier, I had you on uh, your fan. I had you on my fantasy team, uh, your rookie season. I hope I scored you some points, man. Oh, your rookie season. You were, you're, you're a steer steal. Okay, I, you, cool. You ended up taking more carries than edge that year. I, I believe. Yeah. I think okay, cool. All right. You can Venmo me. Just I'll just take 5% man of any, any proceeds, man. I got kids, man. I got kids. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. We'll talk, we'll talk yeah. after the show. No um, doubt. But so I, and, in that year, you know, you're kind of like a physical specimen. You you are you're a big running back, and kind of, you know, you're bigger than the other running backs that we, that we kind of had in, in a league at, at that point. At that at that point, a running back your size, like, oh, that, that that that's a that's a fullback. That's more of a fullback type, right? But I always kind of marveled how stacked and ripped you were as a running back. And then during and during these months and COVID months, where these guys aren't going to the gym, that they weren't they were doing workouts at home. Everyone's doing kind of videos of them. It kind of looked like you know. It was funny because all these guys weren't going to the gyms and stuff, but they were doing these home workouts, which seemed like, oh, out of this yeah. world. But really, that's kind of what old school running backs would, would do back in the day. Do you remember yeah. any kind of at-home workouts that you did during your playing days? Like, I you know, Danny Thompson has a hill that he had right by his house that he would always run. And that was kind of his workout that he'd always do, running up this, this steep hill. Were there any kind of workouts that you did back in the day that was kind of your at-home workout? Uh, well, hills, man. Uh, not necessarily in the house, but hills uh being able to run hills is something that my father didn't let me he was a boxer and and uh he didn't let me lift weights until probably my senior year of high school really? and i was frustrated yeah i was frustrated just because all the other kids were you know this is back in the tank top days they were wearing the short the t-shirts and the cut off uh the cut off shirts and, and they were felt like they were getting all ripped up leaving the weight room and I, I i wasn't in the weight room so but man just a lot of calisthenics a lot of plyometrics you knew plyometrics in your backyard, in your front yard, jumping up and down steps, uh, uh, plyometrics up and down steps, single leg, running up a full step, of, uh, a full set of stairs, uh, uh, running up hills. That's what I remember a lot of, obviously, pull-ups, push-ups, dips, crunches so you can't do them anymore. Those types of things to where you're doing it till fatigue. You're doing squats until you can't do squats anymore, even if it's body weight. And so that's really – that muscular endurance, you know, you can't beat sometimes the strength endurance. But I do remember some of that muscular endurance, the plyometrics and the muscular endurance from doing bodyweight type stuff. It just taxes your body in a, in a, in a completely different way. Um, and so hopefully these guys are, are doing that because that is the challenge when, you're, when you don't have that resistance that you really have to challenge your body um, and put that stress on your body because you're, uh, I'm, my, I'm, I'm looking out for if you're seeing increased soft tissue injuries, ligament issues, because you haven't put that increased demand on your muscles. So you can do planks in your home. You can do some th all these cute workouts. 
but you have to stress your muscles, your joints, your ligaments to prepare for that torque, that, that, that rigorous training, um, repetitive training and stress. And so hopefully for me, it was hills, it was steps, it was plyometrics, it was all that stuff. Hopefully those guys are doing a lot of that stuff to keep their bodies, uh, to make sure their bodies are ready. For sure. And I kind of want to talk about the kind of the fatigue aspect of things. So a lot of NFL teams this year are kind of floating around the idea. And I don't think anyone has come out and said this, they're going to do that yet, but they're thinking about doing same day flights. Uh, so okay. Game day on Sunday, one o'clock. It's a horrible idea. Horrible idea. It's horrible. I mean, you look at, if you look, first of all, sleep is, I, I think already, I would, I would challenge that the NFL needs to stop flying out the same day after the games. If you look at the Golden State Warriors, and they had a big article about one thing that they changed was making sure the players got maximum sleep. They did it a few years ago during their dynasty run, and they stayed at the city the night, the night after the game to make sure they got their sleep, right? A lot of times after these games, play, teams are leaving at 10 o'clock, 11, 12 o'clock. They're flying all through the night, and they're waking up starting the day. So you're not recovering from the, from the game properly. And then you're not starting the week off for the next week with proper recovery. You already have now shortened, shortened uh, uh, condensed weeks of recovery with Thursday night football games, with Monday night football games. And now you want to fly out the same day, which it's already flying. Ele the elevation increases inflammation, increases dehydration. It, it's, it's, not, it's not a good recipe. Um, in my opinion, it's not a good recipe for – longevity with players for the health and safety of players i understand their thinking but i just from being a player knowing what it takes for your body to recover it's not it is it, it's not guys got to make sure that they're 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 on top of their hydration even more that they're on top of their soft tissue they're on top of all of these things I, I i don't think it's a good idea personally no yeah so the the nfl um so i was talking to eric warfield about uh about this next topic which is uh, eliminating preseason he was a seventh okay. round pick, and he talked about how he wouldn't have. Made, he said, "There's two things." He said he probably wouldn't have made the Chiefs roster if they, if, uh, if they didn't if they if they didn't have preseason back then. So that's wow. that's one problem that he said. Secondly, okay. he says guys who veteran types who don't want preseason anymore. <laughs> they're, 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 yeah. He says he sees he sees them right now saying they don't want that, but once the first four games happen, if some of them get hurt, they're going to blame it on not having preseason. So. Yeah. He sees that uh, double question for you. Uh, one, what, what do you think you would have made the Cardinals if there, if there wasn't a preseason back then? And also what do you think about the health aspect of not having preseason and then just going the, the, the four, first four games, that's it. I mean, that's regular season. And you're getting that, that, that practice that, you know, that, that kind of fatigue that you weren't getting from those plank workouts that you're talking about. Yeah, that's tough. Cause here's the thing with, 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 with football, man. Um, football is a lot. It, you can do the combine, you can do the 40, you can do all those things, but what you can't, what you cannot control is what happens when you turn the light on. When you turn those lights under the lights, uh, different players respond differently. And that's not something that you can see, you can test. Uh, that's not something that you can even sometimes see in practice. Some guys are practice all Americans. That's the running joke, the locker room. You'll see a guy who just flashes in practice. They call him practice all Americans, but <laughs> for whatever reason on, on Sunday, it's, they're just not able to uh, turn that on, the same intensity on. And so would I have made the team? I'm not sure. You know, I, 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 I tried to be one who practiced very hard um, in the way that I played. 
And so hopefully there would have been enough uh, to show, you know, to show teams, uh, to, to show the Cardinals that, you know, I, I could play in a game. But yet you have a lot of guys who made it because of the games. Right at the end of the day, when, when they when they made that play, that they got that fourth and one, or they made that uh, stop, you saw guys turn on who maybe they didn't practice well. They weren't great practice players, but for whatever reason, they turned it on when it came competition time. So, I don't think it's gonna. Here's the thing that I that I that people don't understand though. Most of that roster is set when you come to the lot when you come to preseason. That roster that that the the ninety guys or whatever it is. That's for repetitions, to get guys reps, all that kind of stuff. 80% of that team, 85% of that team is set. That roster is set. And so it will impact those seventh round, those free agents, guys kind of borderline like like myself. But it's not going to impact the majority of the guys who already have a contract, um, who are first through fourth round draft picks, first through maybe even fifth round draft picks. So it will impact some of those sleepers, some of those small school guys. But – as a whole, it will not impact. Uh, personally, I don't think it will impact um, the majority of the team. Yeah, that is, that is interesting. You, you see, you know, it's cut down a 53-man roster, and I, I believe this year they're, right. doing, they're, they're not doing 90 this year. They're doing 80 to start, but they're also uh, upping practice squad, uh, the amount of people they can yeah. hold the practice squad. Uh, but, yeah, it is interesting that you say they already have most of that set. So it's like a, it's like, They have that stuff. They, they make it seem like, like it's truly fighting for positions. Again, I started this, I started this, it's about money. And when you're paying guys money, they're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like, they're set. Your roster, your salary is set. Your salary cap is set. You owe these guys money. There are a few spots that, that you have open, you know, five to ten, five to seven spots or something like that that you got, you got guys competing or on the roster bubble. Other than that, um, I though I still would like to see at least one or two games um, – I think that still would be beneficial because at the end of the day, you do need guys. Uh, um, as a veteran, I, I would advocate. I'm like, man, look, I don't need any of this preseason stuff. <laughs> um, but you still do need some time to build some continuity. Uh, you got to see what you got on film. Uh, put what, what you have on film makes in practice. Make sure it's matching up in the game, getting to a rhythm. So there's, you know, there is a benefit to having a preseason. I just would have liked to see it condensed as opposed to just got, gone away with. Right, and maybe going forward, because this year they wanted to kind of limit the amount of people being exposed to each other for COVID. Maybe going forward, yeah. they, they will eliminate two games. Maybe have just just, just two games preseason. Right, right, right. Beneficial to everybody. And the really interesting conversation, man. So we're gonna go to the the, the final forty segment, which uh, the show is okay. called "Running the 40 with Marcus Dash. So uh, uh, I like it. <laughs> so first question I've been asking everyone this: What was your fastest forty yard dash? Four four one. Four four one. If you pull up, if you pull up YouTube, I posted this on my social media. I beat Beanie Wells. Beanie Wells. Uh, we raced before game, pregame. Arizona Cardinals pulled it up it's on YouTube. It was, that was a four four three. Um, you can time it yourself. Uh, yeah. You guys so raced. Four, before, you raced. We before raced before game. game. He was talking trash all week. And look, he, he he ran faster than me at the combine. I think I ran a four five in my pro day, uh, but. I told him he wasn't faster than me, and we didn't have a chance to compete before the game. Coaches hated it, but you know what? When you when you compete, when you're a competitor, like I said, you don't turn it on and off. That was the right time. So 
it's you can pull it up on YouTube. Me, Beanie Wells, that's my boy. But he, he lost that day. <laughs> well, there, there's the, the fighter and competitor in you. You, you. you had your best 40 time racing him. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. There you go. All right. So next question. Uh, you own a Cardinals rookie running back record. What is that rookie running back record? The record that I, I thought I used to own, I thought David Johnson broke that, but it was single touchdowns in a uh, touchdowns in a season, in a single season as a rookie. Yeah, I, I, so I, I believe you, you were the first rookie running back to get that. David Johnson did. First, okay, yeah. The first one. What, what team did you have your first start against? The Rams, St. Louis Rams. Wow, you know, man, you know yeah. your stuff. <laughs> uh, look, I got hit, man. I, my, my mind is so good, though. I'm all good. <laughs> so uh, growing up, what running back did you, did you model your running uh, style after? Walter Payton, uh, Walter Payton won, Barry Sanders too. Though I didn't quite have the moves like Barry Sanders. Um, I tried, man. I practiced as much as I could. My body, I I could not get down to those angles, the shin and, and the hip angles. I don't know how that dude's ligaments are still. He's still walking around with the, uh, the the moves that he got in and out of. So I, I would say definitely Walter Payton never die easy. This is a this is a fun question here. So during your career, you only had two receiving touchdowns. Can you name the two passers that threw you the balls in those scores? Yeah. So okay. I, so I'm gonna challenge you here. I had three. One was in the one was in the postseason. One was in the postseason. I had one against Carolina Panthers. The my first my rookie year. Kurt Warner threw it. Carolina Panthers Panthers um, divisional game. Set up a screen for Hightower. Has blocking. Has the touchdown. I had one, uh, 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 was it Rex Grossman? Uh, Sexy Rex. John Beck. Rex Grossman, uh, had a sprint out, sprint out pass, uh, sprint out pass to the left against the Cowboys Monday Night Football. Three plays later, now first and goal. I think Tim Hightower got loose in the flag. Somebody blew an assignment on defense. And the third one was Willie Schneed, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Saints, Willie Schneed. I wasn't supposed to be in that play. Mark Ingram was supposed to be in, be in. Um, and, yep, a 50-yard pass up the right side. On third and three, Willie Sneed, can he throw it? Wide open! And caught by Hightower! And he will roll into the end zone! Touchdown, Saints! Yeah. Wow. I don't have many of them, so I can remember all three of them. Right. <laughs> no, so when I was looking at it, I, I, I obviously I didn't watch every Saints game. I'm a Chiefs fan, but... Sure. Um, Seeing that Willie Sneed threw it, I was like, oh, Drew Brees. And I looked it up, I was like, whoa, Willie Sneed threw it. <laughs> Willie Sneed threw it. That, that, so when everyone saw Odell and Saquon, NFL is like, what people don't understand, NFL is a copycat league. All these coaches do, they watch the film from the team before, and they literally just replicate the same play. So you come into training camp with this whole playbook, you don't run 75% of those plays that you study from your playbook. You have like 25% of your bread and butter, and then from there, you take what people have been doing the weeks before, and you put it into your system. And so whether it's uh, you saw Saquon and, and Odell do the same play, you've seen it done since a few times. The Saints attempted it again a year or two ago. Same play, recycled. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's because I watch Andy Reid stuff. Andy Reid, yeah, he's always looking at plays. I mean, you saw a play he had in the Super Bowl where they, where they the three of them did that synchronized spin move. That was a play they did in uh, the, like the 1950 yeah. like Rose Bowl in Michigan. Yeah, did. yeah, so, yeah. So, um, okay, so last question here. Um, what is kind of one piece of advice you would give to NFL running backs this year who are on their last year of their contract? On the last year of their contracts, man. Uh, a, 
make sure you have a uh, insurance policy. That, that's that's one. Um, that that's it's the off the field. Make sure your off the field stuff is taken care of so you can focus on the field. Uh, one, two, invest more money into your body than you do into anything else. Edron James told me that when I first got in the NFL. There's no stock, there's no bond, there's no real estate asset that's going to bring you a greater return than me investing. If I invest $50,000 into my body to take care of my body and to make sure that I'm at a, at, a, at a high plan at a high level, and you mean to tell me I'm going to see a return of how much next year? One more season in the NFL, look at that return. A $50,000 or $100,000 investment brings a X million or whatever it is return. That's in one year. It's absolutely crazy. And so invest in your body, take care of your off the field, make sure you got uh, an insurance policy and then two, take care of your body, invest, get you a team of people, not just don't rely on your team, get some people, a massage therapist, chiropractor, um, specialist, uh, uh, a nutritionist, whomever you got to do, but invest in your body. Um, so that way you can make sure you have the longevity and make the money and have the impact that you want to have. Awesome, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on. I actually hope that so I'm going to try to get this weekly, even when the season starts. I'd love to have you on and talk some week-to-week uh, -week shop about the, the games on the Sundays and stuff. Let's do it, man. Thanks for having me, Marcus. Thanks a lot, Tim. Have a good one, buddy. All right, man. You too. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.